from Common Good Iowa, this is A Deeper Dive, the Iowa Policy Podcast. I'm Ann Disher with Common Good Iowa. Today on the podcast, a status report on the state legislative session. Lawmakers have been in Des Moines for eight weeks, and last week marked their first significant procedural deadline, the funnel. I'm here with my Common Good Iowa colleagues, Mike Owen, Mary Nell Treffs, Sheila Hansen, and Natalie Velthaus. We're going to assess the very busy session to date and look ahead to what remains. Well, Mike, Sheila, Mary Nell, and Natalie, welcome. Thanks for taking time out of um, what's been a crazy, crazy, what, eight weeks? I think it's been eight weeks the session's been underway. Um, I would love to start our conversation by just kind of taking your temperature, taking this temperature of session a little bit. So I'm going to ask you all to give me three words to describe the legislative session so far. And I will say we, we, we try not to put an E for explicit on our podcasts. So I know that's going to limit options. Um, Let's start with um, Mike. Mike Owen is our deputy director who oversees our policy work, but has certainly focused this session a lot on education and tax and budget issues. Mike, you got three words? Suppression of Iowans. And I think we'll just go get all the three words and then we can talk about, talk about them. Um, I'm going to turn to Mary Nell Treffs, who manages our health policy work. What are your three words, Mary Nell? My three words are holding my breath. And Sheila, who manages our government relations work, but has a very strong focus on, on early childhood issues. Sheila. Well, I decided to go with three separate words, but actually kind of together. They're predictable, hard, and long-lasting. Okay. And finally, uh, Natalie, who tracks food security and other safety net policy issues for Common Good Iowa. Natalie, what are your three words? I went with Sheila's strategy, and I would say quick disheartening and mysterious. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds those sound real 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 to me. Well, let's let's talk about those a little bit. And and actually I an overarching issue really maybe is what you said, Mike. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your three words? Yes, I said suppression of Iowans and I I went with that because one of the biggest legacies of this legislative session will be the voter suppression bill. And I think that we need to be under no illusions despite all of the political talking points and, and denial that that's what the legislature did, that this bill reduces access to voting for people, both in time locate, and location. And by definition, it is voter suppression. There is no question about that. It will harm people who are the least powerful in our society, and it's bad law. Mary Nell, you said you were holding your breath. Is that right? Yes, I am holding my breath um, and looking forward to session ending, and hopefully I can exhale. And that's primarily because I have spent, as I think most of us at Common Good Iowa, have spent a lot of our time and energy trying to prevent bad bills from advancing. And we are kind of in that stage of legislative session where we're in a little bit of a limbo. And I'm hoping a few of the bad bills that I'm keeping my eye on 
don't advance. And so I'm kind of holding my breath, hoping that they die and do not become law. However, I do want to say that there are a few rays of optimism, and I'm also slightly holding my breath, hoping that we are able to make a few positive changes and hoping that we are able to sneak in some language here or there that can make a positive difference for Iowans. So all in all, I'm just crossing my fingers, crossing my toes and hoping my breath, bad bills die, bad bills advance. <laughs> Thanks, Mary Nell. All right, Sheila, remind us of your three words. I had predictable, hard, and long-lasting. And I think, um, you know, predictable just because going into session when you know you're dealing with um, a party that has the trifecta, um, you know, they have the governor's office, they have the House, and they have the Senate, it's, you, you can expect for probably some um, pretty extreme bills to go through, you do hope for some uh, bipartisanship uh, and, um, you know, just some ways that they can work together. But things are going as um, I had thought it would go before a session and, and not a lot of um, bipartisanship going on between uh, the two parties. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think, you know, we can have some good ideas that are, are not being taken up by the minority party, but that's you know the consequences of losing an election. Um, I did hard. It's hard to not be there in at the Capitol um, in person and have those um, you know impromptu meetings or that opportunity to just pull a legislator aside, uh, those kind of things, and and um, you know always try to tell people as advocates to, you know, to contact your legislator and to make sure that you're in touch with them. And I think it's been harder for um, just ordinary folks to also get in touch with them. And then long lasting, you know, these bills that are being passed will have long lasting effect. You know, we don't know how, how easy they will be if to overturn, how long they'll be in place. And so we, we're doing our best, like Mary Nell said, to prevent some really bad things from happening, but we can only do so much. And then Natalie, remind us of our three word of your three words and tell us a little bit about them. Sure. So I said quick, disheartening, and mysterious. Um, and they really tie back with what Sheila and Mike have said. I, I thought disheartening because um, especially around some of the safety net bills. These are um, some that we were hoping not to see this year, especially given the pandemic um, that are really limiting access to our safety net um, when really this is a time we need to be boosting those programs and ensuring uh, equitable access to these programs. Um, and then I said mysterious. I also agree with Sheila that it's predictable, but I meant mysterious and something that Mike mentioned where I think in a lot of ways, the session has been more accessible because, you know, folks from across the state can, you know, jump in on a subcommittee meeting or a, sub or a committee meeting via Zoom or an online platform. So that really increases access. Um, and at the same time with some technological issues, there are some committee meetings that maybe, you know, in previous sessions, you would have been able to be in person, but, um, you know, if the video isn't streaming, then, we're kind of missing that um, public access to that information. So that's where I put um, mysterious, but also in many ways, very, very predictable. Um, and as we sit eight weeks in, just quickly, how is, uh, you've alluded to the technology. 
how how is that going what 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 are the lessons learned from this that could be applicable to access going forward and what are you ready to ditch and go back to normal on I think that it's better than it was at the beginning. You know, it was rough. And, and I guess, in, you know, in some ways you can't blame them uh, for the, there were times where at the very beginning where we weren't even, we couldn't even hear a meeting happening. You know, it was, they were, they had the meeting anyway. And they just said, you know, basically, sorry that you couldn't hear any of it, <laughs> you know, so too bad. Um, and so they've definitely uh, gotten better at, at, at that. Um, and I do, I, I guess I do agree with Natalie. Um, in terms of access, I think it would be nice if they did uh, did this regularly. All of the committee and subcommittee meetings were uh, available via technology, you know, whatever format they used. The one thing that I wish they would do is use the same format. The, the Senate is using Zoom and uh, allowing testimony where in-person testimony um, via Zoom. And then the other, uh, the House is using, I think it's WebEx and not allowing people to raise their hand and, and offer testimony. And then they're also doing this, this, this committees differently. The Senate is having their committees in the chamber um, and, the, and, Zoom, and just using the chamber's um, cameras as they usually do during debate. We're in the house, they're um, using WebEx again in their respective committee rooms. So just a little bit of uniformity would have been uh, a good idea. Well, I do want to, I want to tease out, I, I, I think we all, you know, have talked a lot about the ways in which there's been some, it's been a frustrating session in ways and that obviously we've already seen some legislation that we found really deeply disheartening. And I think understand there's probably more coming down the pike, but I do want to tease out maybe some bright spots a, a little bit places. Mary, now I know you referenced places where maybe we can make, you know, some positive change. Um, so I guess I will throw it out there if people want to put a, um, a word in on some some bright spots, some places where we felt like things have gone, you know, okay or better. I can start. Um, one of my bright spots has been seeing some of the issues we care about. For example, maternal health gain traction in um, unlikely committees. Traditionally, we focus on human resources. Maternal health is a health issue. Human resources committees deal with health. However, I have had some really great conversations in, um, with legislators in the education committee, with legislators in the Senate labor and business relations committees. And I think that's reflective of a greater understanding of how a lot of the issues that we care about here at CGI, whether it's maternal health or childcare, they don't just fall in one silo. We're all impacted. Um, maternal health impacts um, businesses' bottom lines and folks in labor and business relations should be caring about maternal health. They should be caring about childcare and education. And so that has been one of my bright spots, just seeing some of the silos break down around some of the issues that we work on. I can add uh, to the that childcare has been a bright spot, um, but I'm going to also throw in some um, areas where I'm a little bit disappointed <laughs> in where some items are going with childcare. But it's getting attention again that it deserves, and similar to what Mary Nell said, not just in Human Resources Committee, but in the Labor Committee and um, Commerce Committee, uh, they're starting to realize that this is a workforce issue, um, and uh, 
having said that, we do lose a little bit of the focus on the child, which you're trying to, to refocus them on, um, and that this is a quality issue. Uh, Senator Carlin, um, in a subcommittee a couple of weeks ago, mentioned uh, an increase in the child care eligibility level for child care assistance, which is something we've been trying to do for a while now, and we haven't really moved at all. So we were really excited that he said, um, we really need to increase that. I'm just, why is it only 145%? That's ridiculous. And uh, he said, we should have at least 160. You know? And we hadn't heard that come from a legislator, uh, a Republican legislator, one that's in control. Um, so that's a really a, a good bright spot. And then just yesterday, the governor introduced a task force uh, that will study and come back in 100 days with recommendations on, on child care. Um, there's various items in her, in her executive order. And the executive order is another bright spot. It was only the eighth executive order she's ever done. And so she did one on childcare. So that shows the, uh, that she's taken it um, seriously. Well, I, I want to tease out in addition to bright spots, if there's any shout outs that we want to give. And actually, before we started recording um, this podcast, we were talking a little bit about that. And I'm going to put Mike on the spot because Mike had a had a, a really important shout out for, for some of our um, specific sets of partners. Mike? Well, my shout out is to all of the advocates who in this COVID climate are keeping up the fight, whether it's in education or in unemployment benefits or childcare environment, people who are still going to the Capitol, probably against their better judgment, but are being unfairly pushed into this situation by a real heavy handed approach uh, from the legislative leadership. And, um, you know, they're, they're going there and they're working for all Iowans. And so I just have, I have the greatest respect for the people who, who are out there fighting the fight. Thank you to all those who are out there advocating for a better Iowa. All right. Well, let's, let's actually turn to, to the, the second half or so of session that's still ahead of us. Um, you know, what are the big issues that are still unresolved that we're, we're watching right now? I can start. There's, there are several tax issues that are still hanging out there. Um, some are advancing in one house. We don't know how they'll go in the other. So without specifying too much on it, I'd say that the key, the key point is that we're not doing things to make a, a tax system that is more fair for more people in the state. All of the changes that have been suggested so far are things that actually only cut revenue and in most cases uh, have an imbalanced impact toward people who have more already. We can have equity and we can have adequate revenues. Um, why can't we have discussions about how to get there? We're still waiting to see what they're going to do around preschool um, because of the funding, the school funding bill that was passed, preschool ended up um, really receiving a $7 million cut because of enrollment. Um, funding is based on the previous year's enrollment. And obviously because of the pand pandemic, preschool enrollment is, is down right now. Uh, that leaves a 
perhaps a real problem in the fall. And we heard from various legislators that they hear that um, and we're going to address that later on. As we still haven't seen what that means or heard any further um, information from them on, on what they mean by addressing that. Uh, and then there's there's obviously what a child care. Uh, several bills passed in the House right first couple weeks of session. Uh, they're still over in the Senate. A couple of them have uh, had subcommittee meetings, um, and uh, they're you know, waiting for action uh, in in the, in the Senate. And I think probably the one that I would mention that we would like to see passed with an amendment, I mentioned Senator Carlin earlier, or they don't even have to pass it, they could just add it in an appropriations bill, but is the uh, House File 302, the Child Care Assistance Plus bill, um, Cliff Effect bill, it increases the Child Care Assistance Plus program from 225% to 250%. That's the vehicle that we've been using to try to get them to increase the entry eligibility level for child care assistance. And so we're hoping that, that um, we can keep that one alive and get an amendment and, and let's work on, if we want to work on both ends, we can work on the entry level and then we can work on the exit. So Mary Nell or, or Natalie, what are those hot things we're still watching? I speak on a bill that we are laser focused on, which is the eligibility verification bill that has implications for uh, primarily SNAP, but also our family investment program, um, Medicaid and CHIP in Iowa. Um, without going too far into the details, um, this bill would really um, provide more barriers for families in trying to access these benefits or stay on benefits. And really it's a way to spend state dollars to take federal dollars out of our local communities and grocers um, so this is a bill that would um, make it more difficult for Iowans to access these programs. Luckily, we have some federal policy changes recently that have increased SNAP benefit levels by 15%, provided emergency allotments so that families can receive the maximum benefit um, they can for their household size, and also extending the pandemic EBT program that provides extra SNAP benefits to um, K-12 students. So again, we're kind of getting different, <laughs> different messages and different strategies from the state and federal level, but um, that's just one that we're really keeping an eye on um, for the rest of session because it's been tried the last few sessions, but um, as things like uh, work requirements for SNAP and Medicaid are not being um, pushed through this year, mostly due to the federal backstop, it seems like the focus really is on this eligibility uh, bill. Mary Nell, I don't know if you have anything to add. It's a great summary, Natalie. And just to clarify, this is a bill that has passed the Senate. And so it's basically halfway to the finish line. So our efforts, as you said, Natalie, are laser focused on the House and um, providing them with the data, with the stories, with the policy analysis to understand how harmful this bill would be for their constituents. And hopefully we can um, kill the bill in the house. Great. Well, finally, we'll, we'll wrap up, but I just was going to ask one final, final bit of advice, which is for folks who are watching, I mean, any one of these issues, right? It has been a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose, I know, for all of you this session. Um, if people feel strongly around issues, given the pandemic, what's the best way to, for folks right now to really communicate to their lawmakers their positions on issues? 
I've been hearing from a lot of legislators, um, frankly, some complaints about the volume of emails they receive, which is a little concerning because, frankly, I think that's part of your job um, as an elected official. But one thing that I would suggest is calling the switchboard, like calling the Senate switchboard and um, leaving a message because that's something where um, staff will physically put a note on that legislator's desk. And even if they don't call you back, that's a physical um, representation of your message. So always email, um, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't forget about using the, the House and Senate switchboard. We'll be sure and put those phone numbers in the, the show notes to this uh, episode so people can quickly find find them. And there's there's a different number for the House and, and for the Senate. And we'll include the link too for folks who may not know their legislators. We'll include a link where you can find your legislator as well. I would note that several legislators are doing virtual town halls now. So that actually is a little bit more uh, user-friendly than having to show up at a given time on a Saturday morning or whatever, sometimes for some folks anyway, they can just do it online. And that's a, that's a good place to make connections. I, I'm a believer in using social media to spread the word about these issues. People, are, people use it. And so it's a good way to educate your friends on issues that are important to you. I might add that um, just make sure that you're signed up for your legislator's uh, newsletter. Uh, the, and then you can find out when they when they hold their those town halls and you can find out kind of what they're working on what they're focused on um, you know then a lot of uh, you know, sub- subscribe to both of mine also and it gives me an idea of what oh this is what I've been working on this week this is what I'm excited about and then um, they'll put some information on there about their town hall so just make sure that you can uh, attend those and like Mike said they're virtual for the most part so easy to attend and Sheila, generally speaking, how would you find your lawmakers' um, email subscription? Yeah, tool? they when you go to the legislative website and you um, go to legislators and you find your legislator on um, on the website, there will be on the bottom of their information about them, the committees they're on, all of those sorts of things. I'll say additional information click on that additional information and it'll take you to another page, like or sub- subscribe to your. Um... Yeah. And the ledgers, the, the email, the web address for the legislature, it's legis, L-E-G-I-S dot Iowa dot gov is the place to go. And we can put that in the show notes as well. And then there's a tab towards the top of the page that says legislators. Well, you guys, this was um, a great conversation as always. I'm, I'm pleased to get to work with you guys and uh you you humans i guess (laughs) so take care and we'll just you know be in touch 